Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Hello, I'm Carson, and we're in the middle of a series called Hope Rising. And today I would like to talk to you about a certain type of hope and how we can find it. Um, you know, many of us try to find hope um, through other people or through the things that we can do or within ourselves. And while it's true, there may be things that we can do that maybe make our lives a little better. I think that um, the only way that we can really find true, lasting hope is when we focus on who God is and on his promises. And so today, that's what I want to talk to you about, is how we can find true hope in God and in his promises. And there's many stories in the Old and New Testament that would really exemplify this and show us what that looks like. But I think there's one story that sticks out to me more than any other, and that's a story found in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. And so I'm going to be reading some scripture from Exodus chapter 3. But before I do so, let me uh, just bring us up to date on some events that have occurred in Exodus up until that point. Um, if you open up the book of Exodus, you'll see that the Israelites, God's people, are enslaved in Egypt. And we see that they're being treated very poorly by the Egyptians. But we see that there is this Hebrew slave that has a child that she names Moses. And that Moses is raised by his mother for a time, but eventually the Egyptians raise him. And when he grows up, he sees that an Egyptian is treating a Hebrew slave and beating him. And so Moses takes matters into his own hands. He kills the Egyptian and has to flee for his life. And when he does, he goes off into the wilderness but things start to get better for Moses. He gets a family, um, things start to go well, but one day when he is walking in the wilderness, he sees a burning bush. And when he does, he realizes that he's standing before God himself. And then God and Moses begin to talk to each other. And that brings us up to Exodus chapter three. And so what I'm gonna do is just read from Exodus chapter three, verses seven through 10. Then I'm going to skip a little bit and read verses 16 through 21. So in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, this is what it says. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. So he's going to send Moses. And then he tells Moses what he wants him to do in verse 16. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I am indeed concerned that you 
about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. They will pay heed to what you say. And with the elders of Israel, you will come to the king of Egypt and you will say to him, the Lord of the God of Hebrews has met with us. So now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And then this is important. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. Okay, so let's unpack this. God is talking to Moses, and he tells him that he sees all the affliction and all the suffering that the Hebrews are being put under. But he not only says that he sees it, but he goes even beyond that. He says, not only do I see it, but it concerns me, and I seek to do something about it. So this tells us that we don't have some God that's just out in the distance, that sees what's going on, but that decides to do nothing about it. We have a God that sees the things that we go through, and that it concerns him, and that he longs to do something about it. And he tells Moses, you're going to be the one I send to rescue my people out of this situation. And he tells them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to go to the Israelite leaders and tell them what I have told you. And they will believe you. And then I want you to go with them and go to Pharaoh. And then this is very important. You'll go to Pharaoh and tell him what I have said. But he will not listen to you. And it is only when I have compelled him to do so, will he listen to you and then every one of you will be able to leave Egypt. So he wants, Pharaoh, he wants Moses to go back to Egypt, tell the Israelite leaders they'll listen to him, but when they go to Pharaoh, he will not listen. And it's only when God compels him will he let them go. So Moses says, okay. He goes back to Egypt. He goes to the Israelite leaders. He tells them all that God has said to him. They agree with him. They say, okay, let's do it. They then go to Pharaoh. And when they go to Pharaoh, Moses starts to talk with him. But things do not go the way Moses thought they would. And so when we turn to Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, we see the conversation that Moses and Pharaoh have. So in Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, and afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I shall obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The Lord of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Otherwise, he will fall upon us with pestilence or with a sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? 
Go back to your labors. Again, Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now many and you would have them cease from their labors. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their foremen saying, you are no longer to give the people straw to make brick as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the quota of bricks with which you were making previously, you will impose on them. You are not to reduce any of it because they are lazy. Therefore they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it so that they will pay no attention to false words. This did not go the way Moses thought it would. He goes to the, he goes to the Israel leaders and they tell him, he tells them they believe him. He goes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, look, I don't know who you are and I don't know who your God is either. You know what, I'm not letting them go. You know, matter of fact, if all of y'all have enough time to come up with these little trips you're gonna go on, then you obviously aren't working hard enough. So I'll fix that right now. You guys used to make bricks, we'd give you the straw, we'd do part of the work for you. We're not gonna do that anymore. You have to make the same amount of bricks, but you have to do all the work. So when Moses hears this, he realizes he's kind of in trouble. Because not only, has God, not only has Pharaoh insulted Moses, but he's insulted God. He's made the Israelites' lives harder than they've ever been before. And now the Israelites have turned on Moses and they're disgusted with him because of what he's done to cause this to happen. But this is what God said would happen. He said, Israelites will believe you, but when you go to Pharaoh, he won't believe you. He's not gonna let the people go. It's only when I compel him to do so, will he? But Moses doesn't see it that way. And Moses is upset. And so in chapter five of Exodus and verses 22 and 23, we see that Moses goes to God. And this is what Moses says. So in chapter five, verse 22, then Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why, why, have, why have, you, have, you, have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people and you have not delivered your people at all. When you hear that, you're like, man, Moses is upset. I was like, I can't even believe he's, he's saying that to God. I can't even believe he's saying that stuff. But there is one thing that Moses does that is to be commended and that we should pay close attention to and learn from. Because when Moses is in a situation he doesn't think there's a way out, when he's stressed, when he doesn't know what else to do, he turns to the one that has the answers and the only one that can pull him out of the situation that he's in. So Moses has spoken to God and now it's God's turn to reply. And what God says is he says, seven I will statements. And while there are these seven I will statements, I will do this and I will do this, there's really buried in there four promises. And here are the four promises that God makes to Moses. He says the first and second I will statement. 
focuses on his first promise. And that is the promise that he'll set the Israelites free. That he promises, I will rescue my people. And then God does the third I will statement. And that focuses on the second promise. And that's a promise of redemption. He promises to redeem his people. And then he has the fourth and fifth I will statement. And that focuses on the promise of adoption, that you will be my people and I will be your God. And then he does the sixth and seventh I will statement. And that focuses on the fourth promise. And that's a promise of possession, that one day you will have a land that you can call your own. So God gives Moses four promises. He promises to rescue them. He promises to redeem them. He promises to adopt them. And he promises to give them a land that one day will be theirs. And so that's what God says to Moses. But uh, what does that matter? What does that matter at all? Because you see, in Moses' eyes, God already didn't keep his promises. Even though God has done everything he said he would, you'll talk to the Israelites, they'll believe you. You'll talk to Pharaoh and he won't at first. But in Moses' eyes, he doesn't see it that way. He sees things aren't going the way they were supposed to. So in Moses' eyes, what good are more promises from someone that you believe couldn't even fulfill the first ones in the first place? See, herein lies the problem. And it's a problem that, and something that we're all guilty of. And that is that Moses believes he knows better than God. Moses believes what should happen is pretty simple. I should be able to walk in. I should be able to say, hey, Pharaoh, like this slavery thing's pretty bad. Can we like leave? Is that okay? And Pharaoh should just say, sure, you know what? It is. Y'all can leave. You know, that, it, you know, Let's, this doesn't sound like that bad of a plan. I mean, that sounds pretty good. Hey, would, can you let us go? Sure, and they leave. Sounds good. Except it's not. There are three reasons why that would be a terrible idea. Let me just give you one of them. If Moses was to go in and say, Pharaoh, could you please let us go? And Pharaoh says, okay, it would be robbing God of something. What Moses would be robbing God of is an immense amount of glory. Because see, if Moses just walked in, it would all seem like he did it. Moses went to Pharaoh. Moses spoke to Pharaoh. Moses is the reason that we were able to leave. But God decides, I'm going to free you in such a way that no one will ever doubt that I was the one who did it. And we see in a second that God is gonna send these 10 plagues of Egypt and he will fulfill his promise and he will set the Israelites free. And he'll do it in such a way that they talk about it for generations and generations and that God has given glory and honor and praise, not just in the book of Exodus, but Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, many books of the Old and New Testament. And even beyond that, it's not just the Israelites that understand how powerful God is, but even some of their greatest foes. Let me just give you one example. 
If you go to 1 Samuel chapter four, you see that the Israelites and the Philistines are about to do battle. And the Philistines hate God and they hate his people. And they're getting ready to do battle and then the Philistines hear a great noise. And it's so loud that the very ground underneath their feet begins to shake. And they can't figure out what's going on. And then they see it. And when they realize what is happening, they're struck with terror. Because they see the Ark of the Covenant has come in amongst the Israelite camp, which represents the presence of God amongst his people. And when they see it in chapter 4, verse 8, they say, Woe to us, for is this not the same God that struck the Egyptians with all his wonders? You see that God is given immense amount of glory, not just by his people, but even his greatest foes by what he does and how he frees the Israelites. And then we see that God does seek to free the Israelites and he sends his 10 plagues of Egypt. And while the 10 plagues of Egypt are amazing within themselves, it is only when we look at them closely do we see how truly astounding they really are. You see, the Egyptians worshipped over a hundred different gods, a great pantheon of gods. And it seems as if that every plague that God sends, he's telling the Egyptians, your gods aren't in control. I am. You worship Hopi, God of the Nile, and think he's in charge of your river. I'll show you he's in charge of your Nile. I'll turn your Nile to blood. You worship a set and think he's in charge of your agriculture. I'll show you he's in charge. I'll crush your crops. You worship Apis and think he's in charge of your cattle. I'll slaughter your cattle. Go and worship Ra, who's in charge of your son. I'll blot your son out. And then on top of that, only when I say, will it come back? When Moses came to me, came to you, said you did not know who I was. Well, that's fine by me because I will show you who I am. And that's exactly what God does. He sends the 10 plagues of Egypt and he sets his people free. And while that's amazing, you know what's even more beautiful than that? Is that God kept every promise he made. He promised that he would set the Israelites free. And through the 10 plagues of Egypt, we see he fulfills that promise. He promised he would redeem his people. And we see he fulfills that promise. And he promised that one day you will be my people and I will be your God, a promise of adoption. We see that he adopts them and makes them his own. You see, he made a promise that one day you'll have a land that will be yours. And if you go to the book of Joshua, we see the beginning of the capturing and the taking of that land. And he fulfills that promise. And God fulfilled every promise he made. Because when God makes a promise, he does not falter. And while it's important for us to understand that God fulfills his promises, it is equally important for us to understand why. God does not fulfill his promises because we deserve it or because we're righteous, or even because we're good, 
God fulfills his promises because he is holy and he is righteous. And when God makes a promise, he does not falter. And for many of us who may think, but how could these promises be meant for me? How could they be for me after all the things I've done? What you need to understand is this. God does not base the successfulness or the fulfillment of his promises upon the worth of man, but upon his worth and who he is and on his power. You know, Moses thought that he knew the right path to take. He thought that by my own means, I can get out of this hopeless situation. But he learned that it wasn't going to work. That it was only when he trusted in God and in his promises was there a way out. That there was a way to find the hope that we all long for. But so many of us never find We've been trying to do this on our own for too long. Has it really ever worked? It's only when we rely on him and his promises that we can have the true hope that we all long to have. You know, a lot of times I think of doing things on my own rather than trusting in him. There's something that... uh, Someone from my school used to tell me that I would just repeat, and it would always help me remember how great he is. And would say, he is God, bow to him. He is the faithful witness, honor him. He is the firstborn of the dead, revere him. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth, fear him. He is the deliverer and the keeper of his word. Trust in him. Many of you may be in a hopeless situation, or there may be a time in the future we are going to be. And we have people that will be down here that would love to talk with you about anything and just pray with you. And I hope you take advantage of that. And after, I'll be over here outside on the right to talk with you, if you'd like to. But just remember, that when God makes a promise, he fulfills it without fail. And if we put our hope in his promises, he is good to always come through for us. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you uh, for your promises. I thank you for being a God that we can always trust in. I thank you for being a God that uh, takes care of us, that sees the affliction and things we go through. And not only that you see it, but it also concerns you. I thank you for this group of people. I just ask that as we go out today, that we read your word, that we spend time in your promises, and that we put our hope not in ourselves, but in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.